Welcome to another episode of The Awaken today. We are so excited to bring to you a on-the-ground report from the Ukraine. It is, uh, it is very important that in this hour, we as the church have discernment, that we hear the truth, that we can discern the truth, and that we can uh, partner with people who are working on the kingdom projects around the world. And um, so we're excited today to welcome Scott Sobi. Uh, he's a pastor in Ukraine, and uh, he's on with us today to we're, we're just going to have a conversation. I think it's going to be uh, enlightening for all of us, but just to have a conversation about what God is doing, uh, what the natural landscape looks like, and then uh, and then just what what prayers we can be praying and what things we might be able to be doing to help and assist in uh, in what's happening around the world with the body of Christ. And so we're we're all part of one body. Uh, we all have different functions, but we're all part of one body. And so when when the church is distraught in a place, it actually affects all of us. And I think that we can sometimes get to a place where we feel like our part of the body is the most important part of the body um, or that we're insulated from understanding the rest of the body and its function. And uh, and I know I've worked with many missionaries and, and, uh, and Scott, I can't wait to hear your story about how you got there. But um, I think that one of the things I love about talking with missionaries is they connected to another part of the body. The Lord gave them a grace to step out of their comfort zone and to connect with another part of the body of Christ and to have a passion and a heart for them. And uh, we just want to tap into that this morning. So welcome to the show, Scott. Oh, thank you. It is great to be here, Rob. Appreciate it. So what are you, so tell us a little bit about how you got to be in Ukraine, because you're actually from our area, pretty close uh, in the great state of Ohio here. But um, how did you get to where you are? And then we'll, we'll get into the rest of the stuff that's happening today. But how did you get there? Well, I uh, when I was a teenager, um, it was right at the time that the Soviet Union was falling apart and collapsing. And so I was paying attention to all of that that was going on. I mean, I uh, had, you know, growing up, thought of the Russians as the bad guys, the Soviet Union. And and so it was fascinating to me that here this this mighty empire is crumbling and falling apart. And then there a guy just opened up an amazing door for me to go on a teen missions trip. Uh, to Moscow, Russia, just a, a short time after the collapse of the Soviet Union to pass out Bibles in the schools in Russia and to uh, do ministry there. And so I found myself at 16 years old being able to go to the so former Soviet Union. They still had the Soviet currency. A lot of these kids had never met an American before. And there was such openness and it changed my life as a teenager, this short-term missions trip, just changed my life seeing people hungry for God, for the gospel, for Christ. And I left after that missions trip with this desire to keep going back. I thought, I, I want to keep going back to this part of the world. The, there was something that God did in my heart that just drew me to the people of, of the former Soviet Union. And so, well, I mean, to make a long story short, over the years, I kept going back, taking missions trips. And then uh, the Lord led into my life, um, uh, my wife, Oksana, she's actually, she was born in Russia and was raised right here in, in this part of Ukraine where we're living right now in the town, just 10 minutes away from us. She was studying in Ohio at a Bible college 
And she on some weekends would come to the church that I attended and we met each other. And, you know, I had been to Russia and she was Ukrainian. And so we got to be friends. And to make a long story short, we ended up getting married. Um, I became an assistant pastor in Ohio. But we knew that our goal was to eventually come here to do ministry. And so 17 years ago, we had uh, four children at that time, just little children. We moved here. Uh, to Ukraine and began doing ministry in the churches uh, here in southeastern Ukraine, where my wife grew up. And uh, for the most part, we've been here for the last 17 years. We've, you know, we go back to America occasionally. We've had a couple more kids born and we've gone back to America. So we have six children. Um, but uh, but for the most part, we've lived and raised our kids and ministered here in Ukraine for the last 17 years. Wow. What a, what an amazing story to uh, to have the Lord tug on your heart for, for them and the people group. And just, uh, those are the most fascinating stories. And those are the ones that most of the time we don't hear about. And so I love tapping into the, the why get to the why of, of what you're doing. So the reason why we're on the call is because, uh, many things are happening around you. Um, and, uh, and thanks to some connections that you have and, and, mutual connections that I have that we were able to connect on this, on this show. But, um, can you give a little insight? You've been there 17 years. Uh, what, what is the, give us a little insight of how we've gotten to what we're seeing on the news every minute of every day here. What, what are you seeing there? Well, I mean, if it was when we came 17 years ago, if you would have even hinted that we would be seeing what we're seeing now, I, I just wouldn't have believed it. It is so surreal to be um, in this. I mean, what I would have categorized as the most peaceful, laid back village type country in the world. I mean, Ukraine, it's kind of farmland and it was called the breadbasket of the Soviet Union because of all the, the wheat they produced. And there's just a lot of farmers, a lot of just people that are quiet and unassuming. And to think that the, the kind of horror would be going on that is happening at this very moment here uh, is just surreal. And um and so what what the history is basically in a nutshell is um, Ukraine has always been uh, in, in a tug of war between powers and Russia, the, way back from when it was the Russian Empire with the czars, has always wanted uh, Ukraine. Uh, it's strategic. It has a lot of natural resources. It has seaports. It's also a buffer between the rest of Europe and the rest of Russia. It's a very crucial place. Um, and, you know, it, traditionally it's been Poland and uh, other nations as well that have been wrestling with Russia over control. But uh, over during the Soviet Union, Stalin uh, just wiped out uh, the population of Ukraine. Uh, he starved the people to death and then resettled the area that we live in right now. He called it Novorossiya or New Russia and resettled it with a lot of Russian people. Um, so most of the area that we we are living in now is Russian speaking. I do all my uh, sermons in Russian. We do all our neighbors. We talk in Russian here, um, even though the people are Ukrainian citizens. And the farther west in Ukraine you travel, the more people speak Ukrainian and it's more Ukrainian ethnically. But still, the people here are have a lot of ties and roots to Russia. And that's why um, right now Putin is claiming that um, he has a right and Russia has a right to this 
part of Ukraine, especially because these are Russian speaking, ethnically Russian people and they need his help. They need his deliverance. And and so they're they're using that as a pretext to come in here saying that the people actually want that, uh, which uh, is by and large not the case at all. And so um, that's that's what's happening kind of behind the scenes for many, many years. Now, there's been different uh, attempts over the years. We had the Orange Revolution back in, I think, 2004 or uh, 2005. Uh, and that was that was an attempt also to try for Russia to try to influence the elections here. And the people rose up in Kiev and protested that. And then back in 2000. Uh, 14, we had the whole situation where um, after the Maidan or the, the which is the independent square revolution, they call it uh, after Yanukovych, the president at that time was under a lot of influence from Russia and cracked down and began killing people who were trying to protest uh, his push toward Russia. Uh, he had to leave, but Russia swooped in, took over Crimea, uh, took over part of eastern Ukraine, the Donbass region. And um, that opened up an, a ministry for me to travel with chaplains um, to the front lines uh, for the last several years. Uh, this we're only seeing the war in the news now, but actually there's been a simmering war going on here for years. And there, there have been times in the past years that I have been with chaplains on the front lines and I've fallen asleep uh, to the sounds of artillery and um, seeing horrible things on the front lines, but we've been bringing the gospel to soldiers and and to people that are in danger there. But now this is all coming into the rest of Ukraine because Russia's decided that uh, they're going to try to conquer Ukraine and, and make an invasion. So, so being a pastor, you know, we're we're shepherds and and our our heart is for our people. How does that affect you and your people when it's been in turmoil for many years? Of course, we haven't heard. I mean, you don't hear about it as much, but you you're living on the front lines. What what is that like for you as a as a leader? Um, and what is it like for your people who who you've described as being laid back and and really just loving people? Well, it, you know, it's it's helped the people here to some extent to realize the uh, instability and the insecurity that is found in the things of this world uh, because um, because of the fact that there has been a war so close to them because that's affected the economy because it's affected their lives to, to some extent or another uh, there is this sense of this sense of instability. And, and because of that, one of the major messages that I have shared with my flock and with our people, and as we visit churches in our region as a family, our children sing and I preach in the churches in our region. And as we travel, that's been like the major theme of, of my messages to people is um, our, our hope and our uh, foundation in, in our life must be in that which is unchanging. It must be in that which is secure. It must, must be in that which, which is rooted in the eternal and not in the temporal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I preach time and time again, you know, folks, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what's going on in the country around you, when you know Jesus Christ, you are anchored in someone who is eternal and who is beyond all of this and can give you a source of hope and life and joy that is more than just the, the shifting sand that's around you that, that can collapse at any minute that as we see happening in our society. So that's been like a message. 
And that's one of the reasons why we felt like we had to stay here right now is because that's been the theme of our, our message for these last years of our, of our preaching and our ministry. And how can we, the moment that there's suddenly uh, the, the wolves attack the sheep, how can the shepherd just suddenly say, okay, you know what? Oh, hey, we're out of here. You good luck guys. You know, you just, as a missionary, when you've been preaching to people about finding your hope, not in your circumstances, but in Christ, um, it's so important to live what you preach. And so that's my wife and I prayed about it and just did not have a peace from God about abandoning um, our churches and our people here that we're ministering to in a time like this. And so I think that's what the message we're continuing to give is, listen, nothing's changed. God hasn't changed. Uh, I was just meeting with a, my wife right now is in the center of our village, a couple um, minutes away from here is meeting with about 20 ladies and having a prayer meeting in a time of fellowship today. And I was just speaking to them right before I came here and praying with them. And the one thing I told them is remember Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever. And this war has not changed that. It hasn't changed that. Our lives have changed. Our circumstances have changed. But because we know Christ, we have something that hasn't changed and we can hold on to that during this time. That is powerful. Thank you for for sharing that. That that message, I believe, um, I, I believe sometimes in America, we have gotten comfortable with our lifestyle and we've gotten comfortable with things that uh, we were used to having, um, and we don't, that's never a guarantee. And so, uh, so that, that message is, is amazing. And, uh, thank you for, thank you for sharing that. What are the current needs of Ukrainians, uh, people in your, in your ministry? What, what are things that are like, according, like, I'm not sure what's going on in your city with the actual battle, but what are the needs of your people that uh, are in this hour? That's a good question. There's there's different kinds of needs. You know, there's the there's the spiritual needs, obviously, of comfort. And, uh, you know, as one person told me today and I've been hearing this a lot, uh, but they told me again today as we were I was driving with them. Uh, she said, you know, isn't this war? really showing the true colors of who people are we're seeing now who's who and there's nothing like a war to show you the colors of a person and and i think that that's kind of what's happening now people that you know have maybe been building their hopes and securities and things of this world uh even though they may have talked a good talk that's coming out right now and you can see the panic and the fear and um and so that's that's a, a need, you know, to bring uh, comfort and to bring the message of Christ to people who are really struggling. Um, those that don't know the Lord, those that aren't saved, that have not, you know, had a, a relationship, saving a relationship with Christ. Obviously, they need the gospel right now. I, I have a friend, Sasha, who I saw at the market today and I, I ran into him and I said, Sasha, what are you doing here? And he said, I'm, you know, like everybody else, I'm standing in line trying to get bread, trying to get uh you know, potatoes and things. And he said, but I'm using every chance I get while I stand in line. I've got a captive audience and I'm sharing the gospel. <laughs> I said, good for you, Sasha. So, you know, Christians are rising to the occasion and and it's wonderful to see them reaching out and, and uh, doing that. So that's the need right now for people to not miss this opportunity to be a light. So from a spiritual standpoint, I say that's a need for the church to rise up and not miss this chance. And I want to say I've been so blessed 
by the church. They are opening their doors to refugees. They, they themselves have needs. They themselves are in danger, and yet they are serving the people around them. Uh, today is March 8th. It's uh, traditionally national uh, International Women's Day in the Soviet Union, and it, it's, it's kind of carried over to this present time to International Women's Day. It's kind of a day when all the men give flowers to ladies. Well, there's not a lot of flowers around. There's not a lot of that, but some of the churches uh, are, are still giving flowers to ladies and telling them they're praying for them and asking them if they have any needs or going up to the old babushkas, the grandmothers, and trying to be an encouragement to them. And, you know, so they're using even today, which is normally a holiday, but it's more of a time of grief right now because of all the suffering around us. They're using that as a chance to try to be a light to people. So I've been blessed to see the church here rising up and doing what they can and the church in America giving and blessing and sending help and renting Airbnbs out in Western Ukraine so that refugees can find a place to stay. I mean, just amazing stories that we're hearing of God's people rising up during this time. So that's the spiritual need. The physical needs, the material needs are are different in different parts of Ukraine. I mean, right now there are like in Mariupol. I've spent so much time in the town of Mariupol uh, along the uh, the um, the Azov Sea. Um, it, it is horrible what is happening uh, there. Uh, it's under siege, and there have been peace agreements that have broken apart as people are trying to get out. The Russians start firing again and people have not been able to get out of there. A little girl today um, died of dehydration because she just couldn't get enough water under the siege. And so there, that's just uh, literally two and a half hours away from where I'm at right now. Uh, so there's places like that that are under massive bombardment and uh, Kiev, Kharkov, different cities. Where we're at, we are actually basically occupied by the Russians, where I'm at right here. There's no Ukrainian military anywhere here, uh, right uh, uh, literally one kilometer away from here. There's a Russian block post outside our village. They have not come into our village yet. They're just setting up perimeters around it. Um, but the mayor of our town here has, has gone out and begged the Russians, please, we don't want war here. And for now, the Russians have kind of viewed this little village as not a strategic place to to have to deal with. And so until they get more settled with their military operations, hopefully they're not going to actually come in and start going door to door and looting or whatever else they're but but they're right here. And so there's no way to get supplies into where we're at here. There's no way to get, all the stores are completely empty right now. From the villages, thank God, farmers are still able to get through. And like today, I was talking to people in the lines at the markets, they're bringing potatoes and cabbages and carrots, and uh, they're starting to mill wheat. And, and some people, uh, I have a friend that said he was able to stand in line for two hours and get a loaf of bread today. So there is some bread available for some people. And we're doing our best as a family. We've got supplies to help the needy and help some of the elderly in our little church in our village here, as well as others. But that's a need right now that God would do a miracle and allow uh, supplies to get through so that the stores can once again be replenished. Otherwise, these people are slowly going to be choked here in, in our area. Wow. So um, important to know the prayer points and to hear the encouragement of what's happening in the church and, and all the things that are going on, but to, to know exactly the need to be able to pray specifically. And, you know, with, we, we've heard stories from, from years gone by where people show up with, 
with food and show up with things when they're not, you know, people were praying a minute before and there's people at the door. And so your church being the hands and feet of that, but also people that are going to be able to provide that from other areas. And as that opens up, that will be a definite prayer point for, uh, for us. I'll, I'll give you another, it just, God is doing so many little things that are amazing. Uh, I said, bread is very hard to find now. I was just talking to a couple of the elderly ladies in our church today. And I said, did you get some bread today? And the one, uh, Nadia, the one little uh, grandmother in our church, she said, I stood in line and the only thing that was left was half of a, a, a roll, half of a roll. And I was able to get that. And I didn't tell her yet because I just on the way over here, I brought her to the ladies meeting and then I had to come here, but I'm going to pick them up again. Right before we, um, we, my wife and I went and opened the church for the prayer meeting, the mayor of our village stopped by our house and our eight-year-old son, Daniel, went out. I wasn't even in, in, nearby. I was in a different part of the house, but he heard the knock and he went to the gate and it was the mayor of our village. And she said, I've got a whole box of bread for you. And there are about probably half a dozen loaves of fresh baked bread in there. And uh, she said, you tell your father and mother, thank you for all they're doing uh, in our village. And, you know, she had no idea. She was probably doing that for our family. We don't need half a dozen loaves of bread. We're doing okay. But we're going to be able to bless these elderly people with that, that we're able to get a half of a roll today. So, you know, little answers to prayer like that, that we're going to be able to bless people because God is real. He is moving. He's answering prayer. Yeah. And as you said, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's good Amen. all the time. He's good all the time. So uh, we've got some other guys in the studio. Does anybody have any questions for him? Go ahead, Nate. I think you covered it. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> yeah. mean, I say I'm just blown away by your description of everything that's going on there and just trying to wrap my head around what that would be like you know because like you said rob here in america we are we have fallen under this false sense of security and, and comfort and i think that's a, a big problem that people are experiencing right now is yeah then like you said scott we've been shaken and if you're not standing on jesus yep what everything that you're standing on is completely out of whack right yep. now yep yeah yeah. You have to have a solid foundation. Yeah. That's for sure. And that's why passages of scripture are coming alive for our family that we always appreciated before. We'd read them and thank God this is true. This is the word of God. But now it's like we are understanding them in a way and, and getting insights that we've never before. I mean, passages that talk about. Um, I mean, even the Psalms, I mean, the Psalms are coming alive for me personally. I find myself in the night when the enemy comes and, and starts to sow fears and doubts and, and we hear the, the artillery shelling in the, around us here and, and, and we're trying to comfort our children. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, passages, you know, though war should rise against me in this, will I be confident? One thing have I desired that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that picture of safety under the shadow of his wings. And, you know, all of a sudden it's like, these aren't just beautiful, poetic words of, you know, uh, of ideas. These are real, very real and uh, it's a blessing to know that our God is a refuge and a tower for those who trust in him. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it's so good. So is there anything that you want to share, Scott, with uh, viewers, 
all around the world that are watching um, that you just have on your heart this morning? Well, I think, I think I've shared kind of most of what I would really say, you know, about the prayer request to pray for the church here, to pray for the material needs. Um, I guess when it comes to my family personally, that you just pray that God would guide us because this is very uncharted territory for our family, uh, for my wife, Oksana, for our three children that are here. We have three children in the United States who are studying and working that are already grown up um, in college and things, but we still have three at home here, uh, two girls and a little son, Daniel. And, you know, um, we have no doubt that God laid on our hearts to stay here at this time, but we have no idea how this is all going to end because uh, unless things change drastically, um, we are already basically being in the process of being occupied by Russia right now. And I'm not sure how happy they're going to be to know that an American is here and how they're going to respond to that. Um, and, you know, when that time comes, the Lord, I know, will give his grace and and give his wisdom. But um, I would just ask that the Lord would give us that wisdom and strength to to deal with that when that time comes, which could be at any time. Also, uh, one of the strategies is to knock out the Internet. Once they actually do occupy a village, they they knock out the Internet. And then they, like they've already done in Melitopol, just to the south of us that they took over, they they install their own Internet system right away so that people can only get what they're getting in Russia, the propaganda. Uh, there's no way to really communicate and, and, and understand with the rest of the world what's actually happening. So those are going to be challenges that we're going to face more than likely in the coming days. So we just really need God's grace. This is uncharted territory. We, like I said, we're just independent missionaries sent by our home church in Ohio there. Um, and our ministry has been just ministering to the churches around. Our children play the hand chimes. I, I lead seminars. We uh, lead uh, like uh, services for married couples and um, try to give encouragement to families. It's been this kind of quiet uh, ministry of encouragement to the local churches. And suddenly we find ourselves in this completely different ministry right now. Uh, that we have no experience in, and we're just asking God to really give us grace. And I think a lot of Christians here and a lot of missionaries that are still here would ask for the same thing because we weren't trained for this. We weren't expecting this, but God was. And so we just need his help with that. Um, so I would pray, ask you to pray for that. And I would ask you to pray that God would do a miracle in the whole political uh, sphere because you know, the Lord can stop dictators. God is the one, you know, the, remember the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord and he turns it like the waters mm -hmm. wherever he wishes. Well, I believe that's true today and God can do that. And I am amazed. There's so many people praying here and in America and all over the world for Ukraine right now. And I believe that God is hearing those prayers and especially because of opportunities like this and the internet. And uh, people, I think, are more aware of what's actually going on here in Ukraine than maybe at any other time in history of what's been going on in a war. And so there are probably more people praying about this war right now than, I mean, I, I don't want to venture a guess there, but I'm just, I, I just believe with all the people that are praying, if we'll continue to seek God and believe God for a miracle, he can be glorified. And I'm just praying that he will do something to stop this madness, to stop this evil. 
uh, because people are suffering, people are dying uh, in all the villages around us. We're, we have been blessed right here, as I said, to just hear the things going on around. But in the neighboring village, we know people that have died. Uh, in the village over here, my, where the it's 15 miles away from us, where the nuclear power plant, the Zaporozhye nuclear power plant was that was attacked. I've preached in that church. I have a friend, Alexander, who I've been in touch with even today, uh, who his little 12-year-old daughter, Elizabeth, is just traumatized because they were right in the middle of that battle and she was listening to that and he's saying please pray for elizabeth scott because she's struggling and we're here and the russians are here we can't get out so it's happening all around us and and i guess i, I know i'm talking a lot here but i'm just asking for prayer for people to not stop praying for a miracle to happen here in ukraine that will bring glory to god and we will do that and i speak on behalf of uh, our listeners and viewers that are that are engaged in this program right now that whether we get updates from you or whether you can hear updates from us um, know that there will be many people praying and believing and uh, and speaking uh, for your provision and uh, and all the other things that you mentioned uh, for your families and those families around you so we're committed to doing that even if we can't communicate back and forth um, that will be going on and we would love to have more updates from you and I know if you um, you, they, people can find you on Facebook. Um, you've been doing Facebook lives and things. So, um, you can, you can find Scott there, but, and we'll put links in the show notes oh, yeah. where they can connect with your ministry and, and, uh, and that kind of thing. So that would be great. But, uh, but we just wanted to hear what was going on, hear your heart and, uh, and be able to communicate that to our viewers and, and listeners so that they can engage with helping you and what you need and, uh, and giving us a clear picture from the ground. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Thank you for the chance to share uh, and and kind of represent my Ukrainian friends here and give a picture of what's happening and uh, and just even allowing me to be able to share with with your audience here the people that are want want to be praying and want to be involved. Uh, I'm really grateful for that opportunity. And let all those women know that we're praying for them as well um, because they they have a a unique role as a woman mm. in this hour um, and yeah. uh, and that they will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do exactly what he tells them to do. And uh, and I just feel, I feel this, this unction just for them, just to be uh, filled with joy today. Mm, good, so, good, thank you, I will. Well, thank you for being on and uh, we look forward to hearing more from you um, and, uh, and seeing you know, what the Lord does and how his hand uh, moves. And if, if we can't do video or something, I would, we'll set up a way that we can connect uh, if at all possible right. to, to get updates out to our, to our followers. Wonderful. Thanks Rob. Thank you. Thank you, Josh and Nate as well. God yes. bless you guys. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, bless you. Take it. care. Yeah.